Hey, 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 it's Amaya Brannigan, also known as The Bee. Welcome back to yet another episode of Soul Food, Indiana University Black Student Union's podcast where we discuss hot topics straight off the hot plate, as we like to call it. With me during this episode, I not only have some of our executive board members, but some very special guests from our campus as well. So I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hey guys, I'm Candice Rippey. I am a junior studying management human organization, and I serve as the parliamentarian for Black Student Union. Hey guys, I'm Lene King. I'm the junior. Um, I study sport marketing and management, and I serve as the social programming chair. Hey everyone, my name is Ayana Buchanan. I'm a senior studying healthcare management and policy. And I'm the president of Women of Color Leadership Institute, aka Walkley. Hi everyone, my name is Yamasi Akinro and I'm going to be a senior. My major is merchandising and I am a part of African Women's Leadership Organization, aka Olo, and I am the vice president. Okay, yay! Um, as you guys may have noticed, this is an all-girls set today, so um, we will obviously be talking about social movements and new news happening in Bloomington, but we will also get into some topics pertaining to Black women specifically, so I'm really excited to talk with you guys today. Um, the first topic I have for us to chop up is the Black Lives Matter painting being painted over the mural in People's Park. I'm not sure if you guys saw that image floating through social media, but I was honestly like really shocked given like the historical context of People's Park and the black market bombing. Um, I really saw it as a direct reclaiming of our space and, you know, just like us saying, hey, we're here and we're not going anywhere. So what do you guys think about that? Don't all speak at once. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like the fact that people are taking a stand um, today. Like, I, I like the fact that people are um, basically ignoring, they are, like, undermining the past. Like, they're undermining the things that, like, we, like, America saw as important in our, uh, like, using Black Lives Matter to just, you know, make mm. that the forefront and not the um, historic, like, historic stuff that really doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought that it was extremely powerful, like I said before, because of the historical context of People's Park. I don't know if you guys know, but in the 1960s, there was a black owned um, like convenience shop right where People's Park sits today. And it was bombed by the Klan. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that history about Bloomington. And that's not... Um, that's not a coincidence that's we we don't know those things because those things aren't taught to us and they're not told to us strategically when i don't know exactly if whoever painted over the mural was doing that in direct context towards that historical event but it doesn't even matter because it just speaks volumes also it was surprising to me that it even happened police that's their little spot police officers like are always there so i'm like I don't know how, like, somebody did that, but hats off to y'all <laughs> for doing me. I'm surprised, no, too. Sorry. No, you're fine. Keep going. Okay, but I was going to say, I'm surprised, too, just because of the lack of representation we have in Bloomington as, you know, Black women or just Black people in general. You don't, 
you know, we're what is it like four percent maybe at IU? Yeah. So I just feel like that's just like a good way to bring more awareness to our movement and what we're standing for, considering we're so underrepresented in Bloomington. And I don't know about y'all, but I've had like my own um, experiences with racism in Bloomington itself. So I'm just happy that like, you know, we put our names out there, whoever did it, whether you were white, black, Hispanic, I don't know, but I'm just happy that that's there to remind people that we are here and we do matter. Absolutely. It's a, it's a loud and bold reminder too, because mm-hmm. no matter who you are, no matter your ethnic background, your race, you're, you're going to see that and it's going to register in your mind like one way or another like you know this movement people aren't playing anymore you know like exactly <laughs> but Candace, did, did you have something to say you were saying something earlier no I was saying like I completely agree with everything you guys saying mm-hmm. I live over like close to where people's parking so I was able to see it so I thought I was like, I was like oh that's hard <laughs> <laughs> so in that case I do understand but then I kind of think of like in the context of how like in different cities there's murals saying Black Lives Matter painted in yellow on the street. And I think that is like, it's imperative that that Black Americans see, especially for us, especially young Black Americans to see like, we our lives do matter and it's very publicly known. But I'm more looking at, okay, well, of course we know our lives matter. We've been telling y'all our lives matter. So what's the action being in place to ensure that our lives are just as equal and just as important as our white counterparts? So I think it's great. Like, I'm not, like, not, like, downing it. I think it's great, and I think it's amazing. And it does make it seem, I do feel like it's an encouragement, like, Allowing, I feel like allowing more black students to or black people period to see yes my life matters so I want to take action to make sure that my life matter my friends lives matter my children's lives are going right. to matter and ensuring that my lives like we're going to be okay that we don't have to stand up to systemic racism systematic racism institutional racism mm-hmm. police brutality so I agree that it's great that we have these murals but the mural needs to equal action and I feel like now in Bloomington, Bloomington is we Bloomington says that they're a safe space, even though we know it's not. I haven't necessarily I've experienced racism, but not necessarily in Bloomington. So I feel like we should be able to like tell them, okay, we appreciate that you have this on People's Park because People's Park does have its ties to injustice because of that bombing in nineteen sixty eight, I believe. Yes. But what's next? You know? Right. And bouncing off what you said about setting an example for youth of the Black community Mm -hmm. reminds me of a class that I took earlier this year. One thing that we focused on how artists, Black artists specifically in the during the civil rights movement, they set the tone for these movements that came to change our whole way of living but with nobody saw it as being that during that time like James mm-hmm. Brown's I'm black and I'm proud that was like revolutionary you know like mm-hmm. nobody was mm-hmm. saying I'm black and I'm proud before James Brown was saying that at least like on national airwaves like so when James mm-hmm. Brown set that tone and made that example and like was saying yeah everybody say I'm black and I'm proud people were that's like that was 1968 the beginning of the black power movement now people are like well yeah yeah you're right black and i'm proud yeah black is Mm -hmm. cool you know Mm -hmm. and that's what it takes it takes leaders to put their neck out first step put their feet out first it might seem crazy at the time but Mm -hmm. eventually 
you might be sparking the minds of of future leaders. I actually like that you said that because, like, how you're saying, like, so in 68, when James Brown came out with I'm Black and I'm Proud, that became, like, that Black Power slogan, I'm Black and I'm Proud. So now we're seeing 2020, well, 2012, when Trayvon Martin was was murdered, Mm -hmm. how we saw that the rise of the Black Lives Matter. So then the youth of today, which is us, Mm -hmm. we're taking that. And now we're saying Black Lives Matter. We're saying Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry. So I just think I just think it's crazy how synonymous everything is becoming. It feels like not trying to be funny, but shoot, 1968 feels like now and vice versa, even though technology and things have changed. But that movement and that fight. For black power mm-hmm. is still the same. And also to add, 1968 is not that long ago. No, like it's, it's not. It's literally not <laughs> that long ago, y'all. Like my this is my our grandparents. All those things that seem like it's a lifetime away from us missed us literally by like a generation or so. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I think about that it's all so the time. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and people, but I think that the reason why we don't think of that naturally is because it's literally being taught to us in society like oh that was so long ago that was so long ago but just mm-hmm. because these pictures were in black and white doesn't necessarily mean right. that, that no, was like a real. thousand years ago <laughs> like that was literally like a jump skip and hop down the timeline mm-hmm. for real <laughs> that's true we're gonna move on to the next topic which is culture's Birkin bag I don't know if you guys <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this video surfacing the internet, specifically on Twitter, of Offset gifting little baby culture that Birkin bag for her second birthday. And at, no, I'm not gonna lie, y'all. At first, I was like, "Now this is this is a mess. Why is y'all giving this baby this Birkin bag? I ain't never got nothing that amounted to a Birkin bag when I was two. First of no, all, I got taken to Pizza Hut." And got a cake from Kroger and they called it a day. Mm-hmm. But you For know, real. on a serious note, some people might view this as like an investment into generational wealth. So I'm just curious as to like what your opinions and what you guys think about this. It is a blessing to be able to give, you know, your child a gift like that. So mm-hmm. like something especially that we can never imagine because it's not it's not you know like that's not average that's not normal mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. like but i don't think it's i don't necessarily think it's tied it is tied into generational wealth but that gift alone that's not really like building on general generational wealth like mm-hmm. i think working for especially is going a little overboard but i do think that it's important to raise your children in an environment that you aspire for them to have for themselves futuristically like mm-hmm. I say that because growing up my parents always pushed us to be the best we could be in everything that we did and to work mm-hmm. for what we wanted but they mm-hmm. also provided us with both our wants and our needs as I got older right so like the way that I the way that they provided for my siblings and myself um in the environment that they raised us in made me want to strive like to give my future children that same type of generational support and love mm-hmm. I think that with the resources our generation has today we are in a position to try and build on generational wealth. So right. what I think. Right. Um, I had seen a tweet that said something like, why do we, like we talk about how as black people, we want generational wealth, mm-hmm. but then when there's people that are like spoon on them and I like completely mm-hmm. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like people are kind of like how oh you didn't get it out the mud like oh your mom still pays your right family. like right. it's just like why do people have to struggle like if it's given to us right then yeah we accept that especially at a young age like okay culture may not need a um a six-figure bag whatever but mm-hmm. it's just like why can't she be introduced to luxury early like what's the problem but if it like Kylie, little baby Stormy, nobody says anything about that. She has every right. kind of bag that yeah, Kylie yeah. has. So it's just like, why can't we be introduced to a life of luxury early on? And yeah, yeah like it may not be tied to generational wealth because it's just a bag, but we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know what type mm-hmm. of companies or whatever they already invested her in or what yeah. stocks they've already started in her name. Like, you just don't know. So I just feel like, why are they looked down upon when people like Kylie do the same things and nobody cares? <laughs> That's crazy that you say that. Like, it's really crazy because, like, we really see that Black women, we're always told that we need to work hard. We need to be get it from the exactly how you said it. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen, like, I saw my mom. So my mom was a single parent. So I saw her grind and struggle. And I see all these Black women grind and struggle. And I never really get a chance to, like, in my own eyes, see a woman just breathe, Literally. just relax. Mm-hmm. They, they, I'm not saying that, like, they, well, I am saying it. They don't want Black women to relax. Like, they always putting so much stress, so much everything on us, and we can't get a chance to enjoy the luxuries of life because, oh, no, we can't do that. We have to be the strong Black woman who's always working hard, getting more than 80 hours a week, working hard, getting their money up. And I'm like, okay, I guess. But I want to kick my feet up. I want to get a spa. I want to get these bags that are luxury I want to wear these luxury clothes not yeah. because of name brand but because of like how it'll make me feel but I wouldn't want to like kind of switching off a little bit I wouldn't want to equate luxury with these white brands like mm-hmm. Chanel or Louis B or mm-hmm. Christian Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. like I think like I'm we're starting to see now like especially on Twitter because I stay on Twitter like we're seeing like how these these black luxury brands are really starting to come up Mm -hmm. and I think it's really crazy and I'm thinking now we're starting to we're trying to repaint a picture of how no we black women we're not built for this struggle to be this strong black woman caricature that you want us to do we want these luxury brands and we're going to make our own luxury brands just for us like I see on Twitter what's it called like tell far tell yeah tell far like the person those persons, oh, when I get my money up, I'll definitely get some. <laughs> like, seriously, and I think it's really, I think it's cool how not even people, but Black women ourselves, is we're changing our own narrative. We're saying, you may not want us to have these luxury things. You may want us to work this hard, but no, we're going to get these. And then we're going to make luxury things for ourselves, mm-hmm. by ourselves. So we don't have to worry about how you guys feel about us or how you think we should be doing things. Yeah, I, I totally love that concept of black owned luxury mm-hmm. items. Yes. Like for so long, black people and it all it traces back to slavery as well. For so long, black people have been infatuated with this idea of like having to have things, you know what I mean, in yes. order to mm. present themselves yeah. as mm. as wealthy, if you will, yeah. in tangible items, our clothes, things that we can put in our body where mm. we're always our way of showing our like our status, our um, social economic status or whatever, you know, and 
I'm just really loving this idea of us being able to do that in a way that isn't necessarily tying back and pouring into the white man's pocket. Um, but yeah. but mm-hmm. it's giving back to us. I um, agree. So I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Me too. Yeah. The next topic we have Jada and Will. <laughs> oh Lord. So <laughs> y'all already know what I'm about to say. Their relationship issues were surfacing the internet and Jada's quote entanglement with August <laughs> following their red table talk. And I don't necessarily want to dig into their problems per se or Jada and Will in August specifically Mm -hmm. but I kind of just want to like allow uh, this to segue into black love and what it means Mm -hmm. and problems in the relationship as it pertains to black couples right (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't even know like not talking about them necessarily but to kind of talk about them, it was the situation was just like, huh? Like, and really, right. if you want to be honest, well, to me, this is my first situation seeing the woman in the predicament of having not only the husband but also the lover. So yeah. for, it's usually it's usually the man who has it, and it's always this big debacle. But to see it in the context that it's the woman who has the quote unquote power. And, and the dynamic so I, I really don't know because I I've never seen it so I'm like oh my god so it, but seeing how people reacted negatively towards her it kind of like puts me in like a different mood because it's like okay because it happened to Jada because she was a woman but if it was happened to a male figure and he was in the mm-hmm. position of power the position the ways in which we would have commented on the situation would have been different absolutely Mm -hmm. and then trying to put that context in our lives because I'm not gonna lie to you I don't want to be in no entanglement (laughs) (laughs) I don't at all because I'm already confused by (laughs) what I'm doing regularly so I just need I need to know what we're doing right now because I can't be entangled nothing just let me know what y'all think because this is confusing me too (laughs) I think yeah I completely agree sorry okay (laughs) I completely agree I think it did have to do with the fact that she is a woman but also it's the fact that it's Will and Jada like I was Mm -hmm. asking myself like would it have blown up this much if it had been Will like if it had been like the roles had been like switched if it had been Will that had like an entanglement like would this have blown up so much but they wanted Jada to come out and speak well, people wanted Jada to come out and speak so badly and to have a talk. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm just, like, you know, with marriages, relationships, you just never know what's going on behind closed mm-hmm. doors. Like, we don't know their whole life. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like they shouldn't have been forced to come out to say something. They should have, yeah. like, dealt with, dealt with, like, their issues personally. And I feel like the, their, their entanglement mm-hmm. was years ago. So, Will probably already knew about it. I mean, there was no way he didn't know, like... So they probably already, like, dealt with it. But then they had to, like, bring it up again because, like, people found out and all this stuff. I just feel like it was so, then, it was so unnecessary. So, like, okay, so then think like this. So you how their situation was blew into an audience. How would you guys feel, say, hypothetically speaking, if you were in this certain situation and then your news about this blew out and your friends and your family and different people viewed your relationship? Like, how would you guys feel? Like, how would you guys maneuver through that situation? Because... 
Will and Jada, they like how you said they already talked about it. This is that, so it's really not our business. But the ways mm-hmm. in which their relationship dynamic changed and how we were able to see that play out, it makes me wonder, dang, how would that be if that happened to me? If I got myself in that situation of entanglement, or how do I set my boundaries so I know whoever I'm talking to or associate myself with knows that we're not doing that? <laughs> you right. feel me? How would you be able to set those proper boundaries to ensure that that won't happen? Well, I think. First and foremost, it's like really imperative for us to kind of contextualize the fact that they're and understand that they're like not like us in any way Mm -hmm. at all. Because even though it might seem like absurd that their business even is out there like that, there's people literally Mm -hmm. paid to like spy on them and watch them. Paparazzi be like in the trees. (laughs) <laughs> over the house looking in just trying to get anything to to report back on them like a, that's newsworthy you know so mm-hmm. for them it's like their whole life is in the spotlight so I feel like yeah. part of it is like the reason why they felt so obligated to come out and like say something is one because they feel like maybe they owe it to their fans just to clear up mm-hmm. like what's going on because they are seen as like this iconic black couple and they have it all together. You know what I mean? Like Will and Jada, Mm -hmm. that Will and Jada love is literally like a quote, you know, like, so I feel like they're like, okay, maybe we owe it to everybody to just come out and like be transparent. And like, maybe our problems, us talking out our problems publicly could help other people too. And also like Jada is seen as this, like, you know, healing spirit on um mm-hmm. red tables talks and yeah. she's always trying to help everybody else out so maybe it's it would it's just maybe like not even like a like a promotional thing but like mm-hmm. you know it just makes sense for her to not look like a hypocrite you know like well right. I'm, a, I'm gonna bring myself to the red table you know like because yeah. i have issues mm-hmm. too so this is a good way for me to be transparent with my audience yeah. and my fans too so i feel like those two things like we can't we can look at it from our perspective, but we kind of, but at the same time, we can't because like we're nothing like them, and like they they live their whole lives like under a beam of spotlight. Everything they do is mm-hmm. like is out there all the time. So they kind of have different, I don't know, motives when it comes to like speaking, but vice versa, Jay Z and Beyonce, nobody ever knows what happens goes on with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. unless they want you to know. Like, we ain't knowing that some celebrities, like, we don't know anything about them unless they tell us. Like, it's no leaking, like, oh, this happened, this happened. But, like, you know, it just depends. It's to each his own, really, because some celebrities are completely closed off. They, like, I don't care, and I ain't talking about it because it ain't y'all business. And some celebrities are, like, all right, like, let's talk. Let's be open. My life is yours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And going off of, like, you saying... Um, that Jada and Will love as they quote quoted in one of his songs, but it's just like, what? Why do you look up to Jada and Will's love? Because you yeah. see ninety pictures, mm. like pictures from the nineties, of him what? bathing into her eyes. Like, <laughs> no, we need to stop looking up to these celebrities and defining how you want your relationship based on someone else's relationship. Like, Absolutely. no, set your own standards and how you want your future to look with someone. Like, I love personally Quavo and Sweetie but mm-hmm. I don't want my relationship to look like theirs because it's not going to I'm not Sweetie and I'm not going to find me a Quavo because you know, <laughs> <laughs> these are one of a kind people so just like set your own standards stop looking up and thinking so highly of these celebrities like they're human mm-hmm. too they're going to make mistakes 
And we don't know anything going on in the background of Jada and Will's relationship, whether it was 10 years ago or their current life partnership right now. Like, you don't know what's going on. So, like, stop looking up to them, <laughs> right. is my opinion on it. Right. I definitely agree with what you're saying because, like, how – and we always say it, with the rise of social media – people are starting to see more into celebrity lives in these relationships especially on social media people start to build their lives Mm -hmm. off of things that revolve social media so they're going to try like people say relationship goals and and things like that when it's kind of the bare minimum for things literally so no (laughs) seriously so like no very low but it's on the floor for real i was um i was talking to this one girl on twitter and she said girl the bar is in hell and I was no. so weak because I had never heard that before. <laughs> I was so weak. No, like, she right though. No, I was just weak. weak. But yeah, like like you were saying, Ayana, like idolizing celebrities and not even just like in a romantic capacity is definitely an issue. It's definitely an issue because I I wholeheartedly believe that this is why our generation like faces romantic issues in a different way because of social mm-hmm. media solely because of social media because we see like oh this picture of this couple that go viral and like um he made her a poster with some sunflowers attached mm-hmm. to it asking to be his girlfriend so now everybody thinks mm-hmm. like if I don't do that like then she's not gonna like it you know like or I have to like do I have to post everything about my relationship I have to like do x y and z in order for it to be like right but it's like no everybody you don't have to like me personally I'm probably gonna think you're corny if you do that but that's just me like (laughs) for me like you don't have to do all that you know what I mean we don't have to post it or, or I don't people in relationships too like just the constant battle of like dang like what do I do like I'm well maybe I should go check her Twitter see before I do this like when you should just really like lead with your heart yeah you should lead with your heart and you should know your partner like well enough to know what they're gonna what they're gonna like and not just do something because you see other people doing it on social media and I just think it's like it's just annoying to me personally like people just take stuff and run with it and now it's like law because we see it on social media now I agree. I feel like social media has set the expectations so high, like, or they're just, like, not realistic sometimes, like, <laughs> let me think of an example. I don't know, like, everyone's not going to decorate a hotel room for you with roses. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you know, period. that's something I would want personally, but that's for me and my partner to decide when he discovers my love languages and things like that. Yes. But, like, things yeah. like that are not just going to happen. You can't expect things like that. Since we're younger and we're seeing these things, we feel like these things are supposed to be happening right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Like, some of these people are 30 and very well off in life. Nobody's about to buy you a Birkin bag right now at the age of <laughs> 20 years old in college like that's just not realistic (laughs) so yeah people their expectations are tarnished because of what they're seeing and no that's why I said set your own expectations on what you want out of a relationship right or even like just like if I go to the nail salon like I'm gonna I gotta ask him what color like I'm gonna do my nails like that is annoying to me (laughs) even if you're paying I'm not asking you what color no for real and it's like you're not I'm not you're not you're not even obligated to pay though it's a thing like it's really nice for you to do that and like you know surprise your girlfriend every now and again but it's not like I just feel like people are pressured in order to like do those type of things like and it's so mm-hmm. not necessary and it's just like 
like I don't know be you like me personally like I'm gonna like baby you could pay for the nails that's really (laughs) sweet but Amaya's going to get these nails painted whatever color she wants because if you say blue and I want pink guess what color I'm gonna get right and I'm (laughs) having these nails for the next two weeks you not so it's not right and I I just feel like it's becoming like more of less of like you owning a person rather than like oh my goodness like like trying to experience Being a partnership yeah. yeah like it's not I don't know I just feel like all that is is ridiculous because my parents always tell me like y'all y'all young people y'all new people y'all weird like mm-hmm. and what I, I, <laughs> I used to I used to disagree and try to fight them but the older and older <laughs> I get I do realize we actually indeed are weird um very <laughs> like, much so like, like the tweet going around on twitter is like would you let your girl walk out like let what do you mean let me walk out the house (laughs) like this like I'm gonna wear whatever I gotta decide to put on that day and if it's gonna look skimpy whatever the case may be you need to support me regardless and tell me I look good and just know like if I'm loyal (laughs) I'm gonna come back home to you like that's not the problem but you're not gonna let me do anything I'm a grown woman right I don't know it's just relationships especially within the black community we're always talking about that black love that that we're always striving for but then we see how like people aren't necessarily working towards that black love they're working Mm -hmm. towards just like lust or just for sexual pleasure and things Mm -hmm. like that and I think that especially especially in social media we have apps targeted for just sex like tinder grinder things like that who is just targeting for that so it never people aren't really even looking for love right now like though you can't find a hopeless romantic they're like either we together or we just messing around and i think that Mm -hmm. that mindset now for young people is, is dangerous it's not only dangerous physically because of sexual transmitted uh diseases hiv things of that nature that can really mess your body up but also it messes up it can mess people up mentally, emotionally. You know mm-hmm. how people talk about soul ties. I do think soul ties is like really, really like I think that's true. Like once you're with someone so intimately, a piece of you is still with them, and vice versa. And people, and we're always trying to look for love or like, but we don't really know. What, I feel like we really don't know what like true, actual, genuine love is. So we're just searching things, and we're just having sex, or we're just trying to because we're trying to find that intimacy mm-hmm. and we're trying to find that 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 love from somebody this is just a PSA if you are sexually active guys please be careful please wear protection it's very important I'm a peer health and wellness educator at the health center so I just want everybody who is listening and for you ladies too is to <laughs> just be careful because especially in the black community especially for black women black women have a very 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 high one of the highest HIV rates and STD mm-hmm. rates in the country because we're not protected at all <laughs> we're not and it's a sad truth so I just want everyone who's listening to just be careful just to be safe and know that your body your mind you're perfect you're worth it and don't do nothing crazy <laughs> <laughs> but it's really important especially what Candy said um uh especially the whole health thing like that is very 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 important but like piggybacking off of black love like I just feel like black love is so beautiful and so important because our young black people need to see that like they need to see that black love is real and it is beautiful like nobody's perfect at the end of the day so it takes patience and maturity to be able to say okay this is the person that I want to grow up with um because that's what like that's what we're doing we're growing up so you just Mm -hmm. have to choose who you are willing to grow up with like it's imperative to really get to know a person before you decide to take that next step because 
it'll be the things that you find out later about a person that you don't agree with and you may not want to stick through that. So, like, it it may be a deal breaker or you just don't know how to deal with it. Mm. So, that time where you're first getting to know a person is crucial. It allows you to get a better Mm -hmm. understanding of who the person really is and it gives you time to think, like, okay, I can get with this or Mm -hmm. um, and I can be with this person or no, I can't do this. They have too many qualities that I'm not feeling. And I feel like Mm -hmm. once that's established, I think it'll, you know, it will lower the probability of an entanglement situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then boundaries. Sorry. I'm just saying saying boundaries. For real. But to piggyback off of Black Love, sometimes I think we need to take so much pressure off of finding it at a young age because everyone you experience in life, you do not need to be in a relationship with. Like people really need to normalize dating. Dating to me Mm -hmm. is when you're entertaining or seeing multiple people and, you know, you're just filling them out. Not every man you meet is going to be your soulmate. So stop doing wifey things for these men who haven't showed you their... Stop doing wifey things. For, yes, because you know, then that's how you end up in your entanglement. Because right. you, you gave them everything. Now they're not attached to issues. Uh, oh, yes, say that. Men, I, I feel like men need to stop having the mindset that we're supposed to bring so much automatically. It's because you're like, it's like a, like you have to open up that level. You have to open up that Literally. level to be able to see who, you know, see what I bring to the table. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I'm, that's what, and I I agree with that. Dating is really important because you don't like you're not right away gonna know a person and know like you know everything about them. So I feel like rushing into things and and expect and it's you know expecting things to work out right away. That's not that's not how it's supposed to be because it's not realistic. It's not mm-hmm. at all because not everybody's gonna be worth it or have the qualities you want. And you need to experience that before you decide. Oh, I want to be attached to them. Like I want them to be my boyfriend because you right. don't even know them yet, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Facts. That's true. Yeah. That's facts. So okay, so we've talked about black love, black entanglement. So like kind of kind of shifting towards more intimate things. I really want to like at least talk to you ladies about is like kind of black maternal mortality rate mm. and how mm. that's becoming even though it's always been prevalent, it just hasn't been really talked about. But now it's becoming like it's crazy, like every week you see a black woman dying, giving birth, mm-hmm. or they saying that, hey, she has these issues, but the doctor doesn't care. Or the doctor is saying, no, she's fine. And it's still that, that stereotype that, that hospitals have of that strong black woman car- caricature, how, no, she's mm-hmm. strong. She can, whatever she's feeling, she doesn't need any medicine. And then also that war on drugs, how they always think that black people say they're in pain just to get medicine, right. to get high on drugs. So I really wanted to talk to you ladies about it and get your perspective because we're we're in that age. Well, we're not having kids yet. No, no. no. <laughs> <But> Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> but we're 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 getting close to that age where it's time to settle down and to and to have a family. And to have family, you have to have if you want to have children, and if you're able to have children. But to see how in 2020, with technology supposed to be so advanced how black women are still three to four times more likely to die giving birth. And I wanted to ask you, like, how do y'all feel about it? Because when you guys have kids, that's that's not a statistic I want to think about, you know? Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. So it's like, 
how do you ladies just like just let me know like how do y'all feel about that like what are your your like are you guys scared or is it pushing is yeah. that statistic pushing you away from not wanting to have children and stuff like that um it's really um, scary i don't think the, st- the statistic isn't pushing me away from having kids honestly because well, i you know it's just i i'm a firm believer in god so with the god mm-hmm. i serve i feel like anything Period. is possible and i'm not really scared of anything because you know his will will be done at the end of the day that's how i feel mm-hmm. but yeah. at the same time it, it really is very unfortunate that we have to even think about that that we that even has to be in the back of our mind that somebody doesn't you know value our body and value us like they would someone else it's very mm-hmm. like it, it's sad and it, it just makes me sad that we're looked at as like not important like we're looked at like we don't matter as much as other people yeah and mm-hmm. it, it sucks <laughs> like it really does yeah it's I think for me it's become very scary thinking about it um like literally yesterday I saw a video of this woman she was black and she was having contractions and there was a white nurse in front of her and the lady was just complaining that I'm having pains, like, you know, it's, I'm in pain. And the lady was just telling her, like, it's okay, like, it's not that serious. Literally telling this woman that it's not that serious while she's having contractions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you stand there? You got your license. You said you're going to take care of people. and But you're sitting here in front of this lady and you're not going to do anything. You're not going to get a doctor. Yeah. So, like, I... It just it, this situation, or just hearing more about you know women that have died during like black women that have died during like birth, um, it's made me more appreciative of black men and women in the health field. Like, yeah, like kudos to y'all, like big up to y'all. And, like, you know, it's made me appreciative of my friends that are studying, you know, like are pre med or whatever. Like, you know, it's not easy, mm, but yeah. it's just like you know, if you're doing pre med or anything of that nature in health in the health field, like you know, stay strong and keep keep moving because we need more of y'all out there because this world is getting scary. Mm-hmm. Like, for real. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, For me, like Lene said, I, I my faith lies in, in Christ at the end of the day. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's scary knowing that sometimes you just do not have control over mm-hmm. certain things that can happen to you in at any given moment while you're have while you're giving birth or during the process of your pregnancy in general like I yes. saw this one tweet that um and this girl was like well when I get pregnant like I'm gonna have like a, a all-black birthing team and it's like wow that's mm-hmm. really cool to say like and try to strive to get when you do become mm-hmm. pregnant that is not realistic and that's not going to happen for everyone because yeah. just yeah. looking at the statistics of the rates of black versus non-black doctors birth in not even just doctors but specifically within like the the birthing department um mm-hmm. that's not realistic so i think that for me it's really important for you to just gain a relationship with your doctor like mm-hmm. you and not ne- not even necessarily um with with pregnancy but in general like you should mm-hmm. have a relationship with your dentist. You should have a relationship with your gynecologist. Mm-hmm. You should have a relationship mm-hmm. um, with your orthodontist. You should have a relationship with your child's pediatrician, with your family doctors. You should have a, a, a good relationship with any of them to where when you do have to put your life into their hands, that you are 100%, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt trusting of them um and I know sometimes that doesn't really matter because 
some doctors are prejudiced and they have hidden mm-hmm. agendas and yeah. nobody can do anything about that but like I said again I'm sure at some point that will come out and you will be able to notice these things if you try to gain a, a healthy relationship with your doctor so I, yeah. I think that that's a that, that's a, a really really good thing like my growing up like my parents like we we had in our family doctors we had really good relationships with our family doctors and even when we were done talking about like our health during our checkups you know we would sit and chop it up and they asked like my brother oh how you doing in basketball you know like oh you still singing in choir my you know like stuff like that and like that is super important but I feel like I feel like with that the reason I'm not I'm not sure like I'm not 100 percent. but what, mm-hmm. I, what I'm imagining or what I what I can think is that black people don't have such a don't have a strong relationship with doctors at all like period like mm-hmm. you can talk to somebody and we're like hey you know they be like oh man my back been hurting or I've been having this cough for a little minute and I'm like well shoot you know go to the doctor oh no nah, I don't want to go to no doctor they're not going to tell me nothing that I don't already know it's that it's mm-hmm. like that disconnect or either not saying that they're scared they're very untrusting of of yeah. of of black doctors of not black doctors of doctors in general of hospitals in general like anything that has to do with medicine doctors seeing it they don't want to people will black people don't aren't too excited to go like for me like my mom like like with you and my like my mom made sure that I was able to build a, a connection with my with my pediatrician with my doctor so I'm comfortable enough to say I know that if something were to happen that they trust me enough to not think that I'm just lying to them about my pain and that they'll help me but a lot of african-americans like a lot of people be like no we i don't trust them doctors they're either going they're either out to give me or they don't believe what i'm saying and they're not going to care anyway so it's just Mm -hmm. that point right there is like we want more that's why i think it's like really great that it's a lot of more black people going into the medical field because when black people are able to see themselves in higher standing powers especially powers that help them to survive and to live then that people they go from being uncomfortable to being comfortable and they're able to go to doctors more often and let them know about these pains because like how you said like some doctors have a different agenda than others and they're not going to be able to really understand it but seeing someone as seeing someone who is like them who has pretty much (laughs) the same skin color that's really it they're able to be more comfortable with them and then also when you were talking about like the having all black birthing centers even and I, that is true. Like, there's not a lot of black doctors, a black, not a lot of black midwives or OBGYNs. I really feel like we're starting to see a wave of more black women, more black men getting into that medical field to help the to help us. I've seen, I see so many. Like, I myself, I want to have my own birthing clinic for black women because how we're three to four times more likely to die. I'm like, instead of going to the hospital just come here you feel me like just Mm -hmm. come to somewhere where you know you're going to feel safe like even though and I agree with you I definitely believe in the power of Christ but I also I'm still human I'm still man and I know Mm -hmm. how man is and even though I have the power of Christ and I know that at the end of the day it's his will that would be done I still don't want to (laughs) die so yeah can you really blame black people for not really trusting health officials, not really wanting to go to the doctor, given historical context. You know, we always got to go back in history. Yeah. Like, I mean, consider, like, think about it. The Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Mm-hmm. That literally lasted from 1932 to 1972. 40 whole years of the public health service, like, literally 
injecting black males with syphilis and experimenting and observing them with an untreated disease. That's ridiculous. And there was mm-hmm. hundreds of men who, who went through these trials thinking that that they were doing something good for the greater good of their community. I, and I mean, like, that I I don't even have words for that. things like that that go back into history that people just do not recognize and understand when considering why black people have those issues with coming into the doctors and it's just sad that the the things in our history have prohibited us like from being able to trust the people who we should be able to trust the most Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. moving on to our last and final topic black women and empowerment leadership and entrepreneurship when i was coming up with um topics for us to discuss during this episode I was scrolling down my Instagram timeline because I'm good at multitasking. (laughs) And I came across one of my faves posts, Carrie Washington. She posted like a commemoration honoring um, the late John Lewis. She's always like uplifting the black community. She's always like posting something that's empowering, whether it be calling for sustainable transformation in our communities, um, demanding changes in public policies, using her platform as a celebrity to get people to sign petitions, to provoke change. She's posting stuff about celebrating Juneteenth, you know, or even if it's just about like Black health. This just got me thinking like, oh, this is a great topic to to just kind of bounce off of like leadership and development and entrepreneurship specifically black women um and those role models that we look up to like i said carrie washington is one of my role models who is someone that you guys really look up to as it pertains to your career um there's this girl i mean well this woman <laughs> named um her her name's nicole lynn she's an uh, she's a sports agent Mm-hmm. And that's someone who I've been following recently, um, of course, because that's what I would like to be, sports agent. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think, like, I've just really kind of been, like, tuning in and listening to what she, like, did to get to where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy because, like, while we are, you know, as women, we, like, have a tendency to look up to other women for, like, our career fields and, and stuff like that. But she said, she stated that she um, actually follow a white male like she she Mm. wanted to yeah she she wanted to um basically walk in his footsteps because she said that she didn't feel like it would be beneficial for her to um kind of look up to another woman she felt like she could gain more from looking up to a man in the career field because they're the ones that dominate wow Mm -hmm. okay yeah and and so I'm like and, and I do really understand that but it's crazy it's like wow like you really you know, you, we have to look, do we have to look up to them <laughs> to get to a high place? Because those are the people that are in the high places in our careers. Right. Like, mm-hmm. But she, she's actually really successful though. Like she's a really, she was the, actually the first black woman to get a first pick NFL um draft in the, in the NFL draft. And so I'm like, you know, wow. it's crazy. It, it's just really crazy to think like that, but she's really successful um from what she's done so far. Oh yeah. That's interesting. To piggyback off that as well, my major is healthcare management and policy. And one day I aspire to be like rather a CEO of a hospital or a director somewhere in higher management and just like a corporate position. 
-hmm. And mine, actually, I haven't seen any Black women who hold Mm -hmm. those positions in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So mine right now is actually a white male. It's my professor. His name is Mark Morell. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like me and him have like a great bond and relationship to where I'm able to ask him these que- these questions and where he's able to lead me in the right direction of like my career path because he's he's done this before. At this point, he's just teaching for fun because, you know, he has his own experiences in hospitals and things like that. So right, right now, that's my-, my major is merchandising and I want to go into digital marketing in like the um, retail industry. Mm-hmm. It's been very hard to find like a black man, a black woman, mm-hmm. or any you know anybody black in the digital <laughs> marketing field. Honestly, like um, for the first half of summer, I took a course um, that was offered by my college, and they had a bunch of people in the industry, in the retail industry, come talk to us. And there are very few black people mm-hmm. that came and spoke to us, and it was just kind of like, dang, this is dragging on and on. It's the same type of people. Mm-hmm. talking to us even though it was it was good being exposed to the industry I just wish like you know maybe may, I don't know may, like IU in general just celebrated more black and alums I guess mm-hmm. um and just people that could inspire like you know you have black students in your classes like you're not just gonna I don't know, you need someone that's gonna inspire you or someone that you can feel like oh I can I can reach out to this person on LinkedIn or you know, text them or email them and ask them questions. You know, you don't want to feel yeah. uncomfortable talking to other people. But I feel like our generation is going to be the ones who are setting these like precedents for companies as far as black people in management. I don't know. I just feel like we have the drive and the motivation to be or work our way um into these higher positions. So I feel like we may not have these role models in our career fields, but that doesn't mean we can't be these role models eventually to other women or mm, men, yeah. whoever it is. Yes. I just want to make something of my own. So I don't really have a person to like look after in my field or whatever field I'm choosing to go into. But I can say, <laughs> I always say this, is like someone who I look up to, even though I try not to look up to people because I want to create my own path, mm-hmm. but someone who I do see like, and I'm and you all know her, Beyonce. <laughs> but but no, seriously, see how she was able to be in those white spaces and they're not being ups- of accepting of her and how she was able to create her own. And that mm-hmm. right there, like literally, it's just that piece right there that sh- that she has is what really inspires me because as we see, is these corporate worlds that we're about to get into, these medical worlds that we're about to step into. In about five to ten years, they're completely white. Well, not completely mm-hmm. white, but they're majority white, and the face of it is white. And to see that, and to see that we're they're not going to be just open armed of accepting of us, that we're able to create our own, that we're able to. How she said it, she was like, "I wasn't able to have a seat at the table with them, so I chopped down my own tree and I made my own table, and I brought people with me." Mm-hmm. And I swear that's exactly what I want. Like I feel that I'm yes. destined to do is my life is to be an inspiration for someone else. I was going to say that I seen this post and it was like, um, you know, people ask all the time, what's your dream job? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't dream of working. <laughs> like, no, no at all. I don't, I don't, I don't dream of labor. And that's, that's literally like 
and it's crazy because when I seen that post, like I really felt it. Like I really mm-hmm. genuinely felt it because I've always felt like that, like my whole life. Like it's just like I've always thought that like having just like, you know, a job is like so tiring. Like I wanna be mm-hmm. able to build my own um business and build my own, you know, yeah, my own future. <laughs> and that's kind of what I started doing now. Like I, I started um well I don't know if you got you probably all don't know, but I started my own hair business. And, um, and so like, I just, yeah, (laughs) so I'm kind of, you know, dipping and dabbing and like just getting my feet wet into this whole entrepreneurship thing. And it's really difficult, like, because people, like people want to, um, people are just so used to a certain thing. They're so used to being done, things being done a certain way. And so now that like, I have my own business It's I'm seeing how hard it really is because why people say, yes, yeah, support black businesses, but they really don't want to support black businesses because no, for real. they have this certain standard of how things should be. Right. Like they have mm-hmm. this certain standard of, you know, um, the white corporate world to where they're, they are using people for like labor that, and that, that's why stuff is so cheap because you're, they're using people for labor and aren't paying them. Like, just mm-hmm. like, you know, I think what Kylie Jenner did that, Girl, yeah and so it's just like they don't people don't understand that it's totally different like it when you are when you're coming when you're starting from the ground up things are totally different Like you have to do everything by yourself so of course things Mm -hmm. are going to be a little bit more expensive they're gonna things are going to take longer and I don't feel I feel like people aren't understanding of that it's kind of relieving to know that I'm you know like I have a possibility to you know make that six figures just by doing something that I like to do so right and just jumping off of the point that you made about people being so used to and accustomed to things being a certain way I can totally totally agree to that and I feel that in my heart like 1000 percent like I said I'm a broadcast journalism student and broadcast is the industry is a white man's world Mm-hmm. like oh 100 percent. i mean over the years we we see like a few black anchors here and there like on on tv and even then it, it's it's few and far in between and then even when you see them you know they have their hair like pressed out and that's one thing that mm-hmm. i always tell people mm-hmm. when i talk about this like i am i'm a naturalista like i straighten my hair like once a year if that like one, once every like two years you know and I don't feel like that's something that I should have to do in order to be like, presentable. A, quote, like presentable mm-hmm. broadcaster, you know what I mean? Anchor in order to, I don't know, in order to like, please who like a white audience, not even just broadcast, but like corporate America in general, like mm-hmm. black women always feel the need to do something different other than what they normally would have do, would do to their hair in order to appear professional and that's mm-hmm. something that I am afraid of upon getting a job in, in the industry I really 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 don't want to have to deal with not being able to be myself it's not going to flow I'm not going to be able to be my highest self I'm not going to be able to um, project I'm not going to be able to put in that work ethic like I would in an environment that I could t- be my 100% authentic self like think about it y'all like have you ever seen a black anchor wearing a fro or her hair in her natural state on right like like no and it's crazy now that we still like like I said 2020 
And we're just now having acts like the Crown Act, which says that it's like illegal to discriminate because of someone's hair. Wow, we have to have a law about discrimination of hair. Like I can't, I can't have my hair to be this just regular braids mm-hmm. or just in my curly fro. Like I just think like to because they want everything to be professional. Well, that's how my hair grows. I don't want to perm it. I don't want to press it. I don't want to slap a wig on because that's hot right. and I'm gonna mm-hmm. snatch it off later. So <laughs> it's just like this beauty standard that we get from European, like that European beauty standard. It just it's mind boggling. And it's kind of, it's very, not kind of, it's very weird. And you want me to look like this white woman with this nice straight hair. I can't do that because that's not who I am. That's not how God created me to be. You see what I'm saying? I just mm-hmm. think it's weird that it's, we're still, how everything, like we still have first black. I think that's crazy because we're in 2020 and how America loves to say that racism is dead, that we're so advanced, but we're still seeing these acts being passed about hair discrimination. We're still seeing first black people accomplishing things when that shouldn't be the case at all. Right. Yep. Okay. So now that we've kind of discussed what our own personal um, career focuses are and our ideals on Black women in leadership and the concept of role models, I really want our special guest to give us like a detailed introduction of their organizations and let them give us a little spiel. So Ayana, you can go first. Okay, so my name is Ayana again, but (laughs) my organization is Women of Color Leadership Institute. And basically on campus, we just hold... um, social and educational events for women really of all colors and our mission is actually just to promote women of all color and empower them with the skills and you know the knowledge they need to be academically successful and also to establish a support network within our community of women um promote graduation and just any Mm -hmm. personal achievement that they have going on that they would like to accomplish so my goal for this school year is basically because, okay, my personal opinion when it comes to IU women, I feel like we are not supportive of each other. Like, you not may at have all. Your group. <laughs> 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 you, you may have your groups, your little friend groups, you know, y'all support each other. But when it comes to anything outside of that little clique, we are not acceptive of other Black women, in my opinion. I agree. So this year, I really just want to focus on that and to establish a support system. So like when you do come to our meetings, whether they're in person or virtual, because, you know, COVID, but I just want women to be able to connect and establish these relationships with each other because we can't be successful if we're not all on the same team and rooting for each other and hating on each other. I just don't like that energy. So really, I just want whoever comes to Walkley, you know you'll be taken care of. You know you can establish a support system and you can network with other women that are in the organization. So what kind of events have you guys done in the past or what kind of events do you plan on doing this semester or the upcoming semesters given like COVID-19 and just being the fact that we might have to do everything virtually? Uh-huh. So um, some events we do in the past really... Mm-hmm. A lot of bonding and stuff and connecting we do is within our meetings that we have, mm-hmm. our um, bi-weekly meetings every two weeks, where we 
like we talked about the entanglement thing with Jada and Will. Mm-hmm. We may have like a discussion on something like that and, you know, just establish everyone's opinions and their thoughts and perspective and just get a wider um, idea of, you know, what that means to you and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, or we may on the more educational side have like a business meeting where someone from the career center will come and speak to us mm-hmm. about, you know, fixing your resume and things like that. So um, some events like, and we also, I feel like last year we did a lot of like good mental health um, meetings where, okay, you can come and paint or um, one of the favorite things we do in our meetings is a rose and a thorn where we start off the meeting and then um, before like we have our discussion or whatever we do that certain meeting, we'll say one highlight that's going on in our life and then one low and I just feel like that's just a way to like support each other. Like sometimes we are all going through the same, well, not all of us, but a lot of people in the same room are going through the same things. And mm-hmm. I just feel like that's comforting knowing like you're not alone in my opinion. But as far as um the upcoming year, we're just still trying to establish exactly how we will hold our events just because of COVID and a lot of the classes being online this semester. We don't know if we want to, you know, have them in person still or do virtual do zoom or whatever other um you know networks or whatever we can use right okay well that's walkley for you <laughs> yemisi move on to you yes hi guys so my name is yemisi like amaya said i'm a senior at iu and i am currently a part of ALO, which stands for african women's leadership organization and my current position is vice president. So I'm just going to tell you guys a little bit of why the org was created. Um, so it was created to um, motivate and empower Afrocentric women while providing actual support for women within like the African continent. Um, our goal is not only to empower women that look like, it, like us, but also those that support our purpose. And um, one of the many reasons this organization was created was because we're aware of like the difficulties that come with going to a PWI, like um, Ayana was saying, like it's very hard to find support and to like, like every year you're discovering new resources that people probably already knew about, but it's like, it's new to you because mm-hmm. no one no one is really giving you that much support. Um, for this upcoming year, we have a lot planned, but as a new org, we're still trying to navigate like the new rules, especially with like being like in school during a pandemic and it's a lot of the classes are online anyways. Um, So we just really hope that this organization will be beneficial to like all students on IU campus um, because our aim is to educate one one another and offer resources. Um, We plan on doing this while staying committed to giving back to the African continent. And we're just super excited to see how creative we can get during the midst of everything going on in this world. And um, on behalf of everyone in ALO right now, we just want to say thank you guys so much um, for giving us this opportunity and this platform to like, you know, give a little spiel about our organization. Oh, yes. Thank you, ladies, for sharing all these insightful details and information about your organization. We really enjoy listening to you. And I don't know about you guys, but I am really excited to see what you guys have in store for this upcoming school year. So, yeah, that's all we have for this episode, guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.
Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Soul Food, where we won't necessarily feed you physically, but we will always give you food for thought. Until next time, peace, love, and blackness. <laughs>